0: You're listening to ReachMD, and I'm Lawrence Sherman. Today, I'm joined by Lee Shulman, who's the Anna Ross Laffin Professor in Obstetrics and Gynecology at the Feinberg School of Medicine at Northwestern University. Lee's also the chairman of the Combined Stages in Women's Health and the Evolving Practice of Primary Care Program here in New York and, uh, Lee, I want to talk to you a little bit today about what you think happened uh, during the sessions this morning and, and what the educational pearls that came out of it were.
1: Well, I'll tell you, I don't think I've been a part of an educational program that was this exciting in a very long time. Uh, I think you combine uh, over 500 people attending with with probably some of the the best speakers and uh, and folks really doing work at, at the cutting edge of, of these particular topics. And it was an outstanding morning and early afternoon, I think, for all uh, the attendees. So if we
0: look through the agenda, there really were a, a wide variety of topics. And, uh, y- you know, if you think about it, there were some women's health-specific topics and some really broad-ranging primary care topics. So if we go through them sort of one by one, I'll remind you because I know it's been a few hours now. <laughs> uh, so, so the first talk by uh, Dr. Kaunitz talking about uh, combined hormonal contraception. What, what, what do you think the key uh, take-home from that was?
1: Well, I, I think first Andy uh, presented a, a wonderful comprehensive uh, presentation on, on really all the options that are out there. Uh, I think he really helped to debunk a lot of the misperceptions about the safety of, of contraceptives, about certain contraceptives in general, and, and that uh, invariably, regardless of a woman's health, Uh, her lifestyle issues, sex and sexuality issues, that there is a highly effective reversible contraceptive that's right for her and that clinicians really need to take a look at the information that Andy Andy presented and really take this information to heart so that they can provide the necessary information for that woman to make that choice, uh, to find a method that she's going to use consistently and correctly.
0: I guess from a primary care perspective, there's a lot more to contraception than they probably think about.
1: Well, you know, it's an interesting thing. Uh, You can look at it two ways. You can say that, you know, they're all about the same. And in that sense, that's correct because they're all highly effective preventers of pregnancy in women who use them properly. However, uh, they are not clearly the same. Some are oral, some are non-oral, some are daily, some are weekly, monthly, even longer term. Um, And so it, it really behooves every clinician who provides care to a reproductive age woman. Uh, whether or not that clinician is providing the contraceptive, or whether or not that clinician is in a position to answer questions, concerns, or or provide management issues, uh, or, or, or or management to uh, to a woman who is using a contraceptive,
0: that's an adv- a, a patient advocacy
1: issue as well. Correct, absolutely.
0: Great. So, so then, moving on, we we heard uh, Dr. Tom Wright talk about uh, you know cervical cancer screening and HPV, and I think there were some really interesting points that came out. What what are your thoughts?
1: Well, you know, uh, uh, the pap smear, uh, for lack of a better term, with all due respect to uh, Professor Papa Nicolau, uh, uh is truly a mainstay of women's health. And I think a lot of clinicians have found it difficult to incorporate the new paradigm shift, the new inclusion of HPV as an adjunctive test, the power of that ad- adjunctive test, and the consideration that a woman does not necessarily need to have cer- active cervical surveillance on a yearly basis. Tom, I, I won't call him the grandfather of this. But He'd appreciate clearly, uh, He will kill me if I heard me say that. But um, uh, Tom really is at the epicenter of this, has been involved in the studies, and, and is such an outstanding communicator. But uh, he re- his presentation really served to present uh, very coherently as to why Uh, there is a reason why there is no longer a need for some women, not for all women, to have an annual pap smear. And I I think perhaps the most important point is the fact that a a woman may not require an annual pap and HPV assessment doesn't mean that woman does not require an annual visit uh, with her clinician.
0: I think that's an important point. I think that may be the key takeaway. Absolutely. So then uh, moving on to a, a different area, Let, let's think about ophthalmology, red eye, and conjunctivitis. I think uh, Dr. Stephen Orland really brought the audience in there and talked about how complicated something that many people may think is not complicated really is.
1: Well, the reality is is that uh, whether you're an OBGYN uh, a nurse practitioner, a women's nurse practitioner, Uh, patients bring problems to the office. Uh, We'd like to, as an obstetrician-gynecologist myself, think that uh, the problems that I have to deal with are, for example, below the waist. And the reality is is that that woman may have other issues uh, that may be bringing her into the office or in addition to what she's coming to the office for. And I think what Steve did at his presentation was to really uh, highlight a very common issue, uh, one that perhaps a lot of clinicians who provide women's health care may not have training in but uh, a very common issue which we deal with which is that pink eye red eye uh, whether it's infectious, whether it's uh, allergic, whether it's immunological whether it's indicative of, of something more severe I think he did an outstanding job and I think every person who heard that presentation uh, left with a better understanding of how to address those issues
0: yeah I, I think I got that as well and I, I think you know one of the, the points that he made about the simple use of a pen light and how that in, in a very you know simple approach, could give some clues to eye health and what may or may not be going on.
1: Well, I I think what was reassuring is that we don't have to go out and find our ophthalmoscopes uh, that we put away, for me, for example, about 25 years ago, that a pen light and some common sense uh, and uh, I'll say this, the judicious use of referral when uh, a patient doesn't, is do, not doing well or there's a problem that you think is above your, your pay grade, uh, I, I think truly uh, really hit home with the audience.
0: I, I think that's right, and, and it's interesting. I, I asked him afterwards if he carries the Snellen iChart app on his iPhone, and, uh, and he does. So it made me feel good because I do as well. So then we moved on to a couple of presentations focusing on cardiovascular health. And, and you know, I, I guess an issue that comes up is, in general, a lot of women's healthcare care professionals really do provide primary care and may be the only uh, practitioner that, that uh, some women see. So not only will the eye issues come up, but let's think about lipids and, uh, and atrial fibrillation.
1: Well, you, you know, I think a, a, a very important point is that most of the research, until recently, that was done in heart health was done with men. And so if a woman, which uh, we now know presents with disease differently, uh, has a different response to drug, has a different uh, risk assessment based on her lipids and other factors, if she didn't have the classic elephant sitting on the chest pain radiating down to the arm, Perhaps you would say, oh, you're fine, etc. And I think what was brought home today is not just that heart disease is, in fact, the most common cause of morbidity and mortality for women, much as the same is for men, but that that woman is going to present with potentially a different set of symptoms uh, and that we as women's health care providers, whether OBGYNs, family medicine, regardless, uh, really need to pay attention and, and to be that clinical advocate. We can't uh, ignore something because it doesn't fit into a male paradigm. We need to address these issues and not necessarily become cardiologists or or interventionists, but at least to recognize, and again, the judicious use of referral uh, when we find a problem. If you're just
0: tuning in, you're listening to ReachMD. I'm Lawrence Sherman, and I'm sitting here with Dr. Lee Shulman, who is the Anna Ross LaFan Professor in Obstetrics and Gynecology from the Feinberg School of Medicine in the great city of Chicago. And we're sitting uh, live uh, during the lunch break here at the Stages in Women's Health slash uh, the Evolving Practice in Primary Care uh, program in New York. Uh, Lee, getting back to some of the more specific topics that we were talking about, uh, thinking about dyslipidemia, hyperlipidemia in some of those specialized populations, what were your thoughts about the talk today?
1: Well, I thought the talk today was fascinating because I, I think what he was was able to do was to debunk so many of the preconceptions. It, for, for many of us who don't live this topic on a regular basis in our office, we have perhaps adapted older uh, information uh, that may not necessarily be relevant to more modern drugs and to more modern understanding of clinical outcomes, and I think what we got today was an incredibly easy to digest uh, understanding of current practice, current assessment of lipid levels. What's impo- actually, if you want me to summarize, what was important, what's important, and what's no longer important?
0: You know, it's an interesting thing. I think there's a phenomenon of practicing what you learned when you trained. And, and there's that evolution of care and improving that patient journey to improve the patient outcomes that often gets impacted when there's a talk like that.
1: Right. I, I mean, uh, the, the clearest example is that cholesterol likely has little to no meaning in the assessment of disease risk. So you have people with high cholesterols who actually have a lower risk of cardiovascular disease and people who would ostensibly be thought to have a normal or even low cholesterol who maybe have a far more adverse risk assessment. Right,
0: and I think that that resonated through the room today. Absolutely. Thinking about atrial fibrillation stroke prevention, uh, very, very interesting talk by Drs. Abbott and Halperin.
1: Well, I really liked the way this was done. It was, uh, I introduced them as a tag team, but uh, obviously it was not a uh, death match within a... uh, uh,
0: There was no cage on the stage. No
1: cage, and there was no mud either up there as well. So that was all good. Um, (laughs) But uh, I thought the approach doing this, taking it from uh, a primary care modality as well as a specialist cardiology modality, really gave uh, a wonderful... Perspective into what turns out to be, uh, I think, as uh, as Jonathan stated at the end, the most important risk factor for stroke in men and women, which is atrial fibrillation, and and you know, and again, uh, surprising issues that it wasn't necessary to necessarily change rate or rhythm, uh, but that anticoagulation was important, but not for everybody, and and so it, he they we're able to make a more simplified algorithm for those of us who may be assessing that initial blood pressure and heart rate, et cetera.
0: Right. Or if you look through the chart and you see a fib, you say, okay, what should I be thinking about and who should they be seeing? Uh, the issue that comes up often is that co-management of the patient or how do you best refer, and I think they really talked nicely about how they approach the patient, and I think it gave primary care folks a really good perspective on what to look for.
1: You know, we, we tend to think of the care of patients in silos, that whether, you know, as an OB-GYN, I may identify it, but that somebody else is going to totally take care of it may be true in some conditions, but is not true in many conditions, and I think they're dual presentation sort of gave a a, a great example of how one can be successful in not just diagnosing a problem or identifying a problem, but being part of the, you know, continuing management of that particular condition.
0: The last talk we heard today may have been uh, one of the most dynamic talks I've heard on osteoporosis. What were your thoughts on that?
1: Well, I must tell you, I uh, have given talks on osteoporosis. I've actually slept through some of my own talks on osteoporosis. Uh, Ethel's talk was perhaps the finest talk on osteoporosis that I've ever heard. Uh, The only problem with coming here to do this with you is I wanted to ask her to steal her slides, but I wasn't able to do that. I'll, I'll work on that at a later date. Uh, she really provided a coherent, not simplistic, but simple approach to a problem which is manifest in every woman's health care provider's practice, unless all you're doing is obstetrics, which is osteopenia, osteoporosis, uh, and which is for the vast majority of women a preventable condition which, if we don't prevent it, leads to an incredibly high risk of morbidity and mortality. So it's
0: really interesting. If you look at your thoughts on almost every one of these talks, it's about patient ident- identification, patient stratification, understanding of risk criteria, and approaching the patients appropriately, regardless of the setting that you're in.
1: Absolutely. I, you know, we have spent the last better part of the last 15 years talking about the obstetrician-gynecologist as a primary health care provider, and while I think a lot of us uh, sort of did not see, see ourselves in that way, uh, even those of us who have remained as pure obstetrician, gynecologists, or just gynecologists, uh, whether we want to admit it or not, we truly are primary health care providers. And I think today's incredible talks really highlighted the important role that we place in the care of women, Uh, and the important role that we have in that care going forward after the identification of problems.
0: Well, it's funny. I was just about to ask you if there's anything else you'd like to add, but it sounds to me like you just summed things up nicely.
1: I think I did a good job. I knew what you were thinking. I felt that.
0: (laughs) My thanks to Dr. Lee Shulman for joining us today. Uh, We've been talking about what we heard and learned today during the morning sessions here at uh, Stages in Women's Health and the Evolving Practice in Primary Care in New York. Uh, Dr. Schulman, thanks for joining us.